Welcome to season nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A rested child is a happy child. Sleep Tight Stories is a weekly podcast that brings comfort and joy to families worldwide with calming bedtime stories. The stories are relevant to children and spark wonder without overstimulation so they can fall asleep and stay asleep. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For a bedtime routine you'll miss when they're grown, Sleep Tight Stories. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Money Making Conversation Masterclass. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. <laughs> I recognize that we all have different definitions of success. For you, it may be the size of your paycheck. Mine is inspiring people to accomplish their goals and live their very best life. It's time to stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. People always talk about their purpose or gifts. If you have a gift, lead with your gift. And don't let your friends, family, or coworkers stop you from planning or living your dreams. My guests today are power couple, Rashawn Casey, known as DJ Envy, and Gia Casey. They host a popular podcast, The Casey Crew. Their podcast explores the good, bad, and ugly sides of relationships and family life. It has been ranked by Essence as one of the best podcasts about Black love and family. Rashawn is also host of the popular Breakfast Club alongside Charlemagne the God and Angela Lee. He currently lives with his wife, Gia, in the New Jersey area. Their book, which we'll be just reading about today and talking about, because I read it last night and read it this morning. Actually, I read it twice. It's a very entertaining narrative about how to grow together in a relationship. An aspirational guidebook for people who seek the same unconditional love in their relationship. And an in-depth look at how to remain equals after being thrust into the public eye. In it, the cases share their love story and the different journeys they look and experience to maintain this long-standing relationship. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation Masterclass, Rashawn Casey and Gia Casey. How y'all doing? Hey, we are wonderful. Thanks for having us. Well, for, let, let's get let's give some little ground. Like my name is Rashawn. If you don't mind for yes. the interview, can I just call you DJ Envy? So we won't. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course, cool, of course. Cool, cool. Cool. We'll get everything correct. Cool. Put your name a little wrong. I spell my R <laughs> capital S H A U N. So I let you know. Mother got very creative. Okay, great. oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, you know, the, you know, when you write a book like this, I've been, I've been blessed. You know, I, I've been with Steve Harvey when he wrote his "Act Like a Lady, Think Like a Man." And I was able to market that. We sold three million copies, and and. 
30 languages worldwide. And when you we, and I like the book. First of all, it is it is it's not about color, which I think is really smart because the concerns that you have here personally impact everybody. Was there a conscious effort to not not make it a a book for black women or a book for black men because it's a book about men and women? No, I don't think it's so. it's a book about love and finding true love, growing in that true love and Mm -hmm. maintaining it. Mm -hmm. So for us, love is universal. Mm -hmm. So it could speak to anyone specifically. If Mm -hmm. you desire love in your life, it speaks to you. You know, I I remember when I was in high school and uh, I had a a best friend and he, he met his, his, who eventually married, met her in the ninth grade and 10th grade and they married. And And it always has blown me away that, wow, how did they f- understand that relationship that that was them? Because I didn't get married till I was 32, and I've been married for 33 years. As you know, there's a journey in those 33 years. There's, there's a journey in your book. And so and I've had my share with ups and downs and personality conflicts with my wife. So there's no perfection in there. And then I read about your book, you know, meeting at 16 years of age. You, you running track. He's in this blue con Edison vans, basically trying to seek your attention and all this stuff. I don't know how you're going to seek your attention in a used con Edison van, but he thought he had it all going on. <laughs> how? How, though? You know, you know, how, how did y'all know? And that always, uh, I always feel that's a blessing in my case because I didn't see it and understand the ability to say I could love somebody and then say this is the person I want to be with for the rest of my life. Let's start with you, DJ Envy. Yeah, I think I knew right away. Uh, like I said, when I was in high school, I wasn't, as my mom would say, the cat's meow, right? I was, you're a pretty uh, handsome guy uh, now. You need to stop now. You're a pretty handsome <laughs> guy. You're a pretty handsome no. guy. I'll take that now. But back then, I was five foot four. I had glasses, braces, and I, was, I, wasn't the, I wasn't the cutest out there. So when I seen her, she was my everything. She was the most beautiful girl I ever seen in my life. And just to tell everybody out there, like I said, yes, I would stalk her at track. But, you know, just imagine you're, you're 16, she's 15, she's running track. And, right. you know, those track outfits are tight and skimpy. And I used to watch it. And, back, and she had... Double D's. And I would just sit there and watch her run over the world. And I knew right there I was in love. And then when I finally got a chance to, when we got a chance to talk and speak, and she was so smart. And but she had just, she was her, what she wanted to do in life. And mm-hmm. just everything about her was just like, this is mine. Like, I want this. I want to marry her right now if I could. And I knew from then, then on that that was going to be my wife. Okay, now see, that is not in the book. The five, four glasses is not described in the book. Now, so, 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 so I take back that handsome line I gave to you, DJ. Okay, now let's go over to Gia. You yeah. running around this track, you know, just, what were you, 100, 200, 400? What were you? I was a 200 and the 400. Oh, she came around that curve on you, brother. She came around that curve on you. <laughs> so, so here at this five foot four, glass wearing dude in a Con Edison blue van <laughs> gave you his number to you and you were supposed to call him, but you didn't call him. What's the, I why? I didn't call him right away. I had just transferred into his school. Oh, okay, um, okay. As a junior, I skipped a grade mm-hmm. and I should have been a sophomore, but I was a junior uh-huh. and I was fresh meat at the school. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of attention and I wanted to gauge my prospects. I wanted to see, you know, oh, okay, where okay. these other potential relationships would go. But he was so persistent. Right. He... he 
acted like a man who knew what he wanted Mm -hmm. and going to go after it at all costs. And that impressed me. And there's a story attached to it, but I'll leave that for those that are interested in reading. You can't tell everything. But when he finally got my attention and we began speaking on the phone, we'd be on the phone for six hours, seven hours, eight hours until the sun came up until we had to get ready for school the next day. And it took about maybe two weeks. Mm -hmm. And I remember having this epiphany and thinking to myself, I'm going to marry this kid. Like we're going to be together forever. And it was such a strong feeling. It was a knowing. And that's part of the magic that we speak of in the title, the joys and pains and the magic that held us together. And that was part of it. It was that early knowing. There was something special. If you believe in soulmates, um, I think probably the closest thing to a soulmate that I could describe, even at that young age and even with that little experience. Okay, because, okay, we went in high school, go through that whole thing, and then you graduate, and then you go to college, like 15 minutes apart from each other in college. Yeah. Yep. And yep. you yes. went to an HBCU, sir. Yeah, I went to Hampton University, the real HU. Yes, sir. Yes, I've heard that so many times. One of my employees, Samantha Taylor, that's all I hear all the time, the real HU, the real HU. So why the real HU and not DC, the other HU? Okay, well, you know, coming from New York, whose you know, name we do not speak. <laughs> <laughs> you know, coming from New York, you know, I do the HBCU run, right? And the HBCU run is Morgan, then it's Howard, then it's 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 Virginia Union, then right. Hampton, right? And it's Morehouse. My mom wanted me to go to Morehouse. She wanted me to be a Morehouse man. I was the first person in my family to go to college, first person in my family to graduate. But then I had my boo in New York. And Morehouse is too far of a drive. And back then, I couldn't afford a flight, so I would have to drive. Yes, sir. So Hampton was six hours away. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I'll go to Hampton. Mm-hmm. She'll go to Old Dominion. And we can still be there. And I could drive home every week. And it's a six-hour drive. So Hampton University was the college I chose. And when because we, we've seen a popularity surge in HBCUs now, you know, especially after 2020 large donations. What did it do for you as an individual? And why would you recommend a person, I'm sure, to go to an HBCU? Because it benefited you. And it also, when I look back, I throw out numbers all the time. 80% of the doctors and dentists who are black come from HBCUs. 40% of the members of Congress come from HBCUs. 50% of the public school teachers come from HBCUs. These numbers people don't know. How did it impact you? Well, many different ways. One, um, me being in the entertainment industry, I was from New York. All I knew was New York. Right. So going to HBCU, I had a roommate from Mississippi oh. that put me on to music from Mississippi. Mm-hmm. I had roommates from Indiana that put me on from music from Indiana. But not only that, I would travel with them back home and see how they lived. And it opened me my, my taste up to other types of music. But not only that, when I'm in school, that's one thing I don't have to worry about. I don't have to worry about the racist teacher and the racism in my school. Right, I right. can concentrate on learning. And the teachers at HBCUs, they want you to win just a little bit more. Right. So they're going to put their arm around you. If you're having a problem or you're having a situation, they're going to help you a little more. If there's a problem back home, if you can't afford something, if financial or stress back home, they're going to put their arm around you. And it's more of a family member helping you opposed to just somebody that's out there that has to get their check and they're, they're going to get paid on Friday. They don't really care about you. Like they are going to be there. I remember um, I had a situation where I could not figure calculus out. It was one of those things. I, it was just hard for me. Numbers were googly gah. And that teacher would would come to my apartment. That teacher would meet me in the library. That teacher would make sure I knew what I was doing. Even if she said, look, we're going to have lunch in my office and we're going to learn this. 
And that's what it was. And, and, and she stayed with me until I got it right. You know, and that's some of the things we don't experience. I, I don't think they experience it any other college. My daughter goes to NYU and she doesn't say the same thing. So that's the type of thing that I experienced at HBCU. We'll be right back with more Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. Now let's return to Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. We know it's really interesting when I'm watching you talk, Gia, you're very in tune to him talking. And is that is it because, I, you know, so that's, a, that's a relationship that's like, I know it's been long term. You know, like my wife, she'll watch me. I go just. I can just feel her just watching my words come out of my mouth. Sometimes she go, "You shouldn't have said that." You know, <laughs> later on, you know, she go, "You could have said this differently." You know, she produces my radio show, and you know, I, I, at the end of the radio show, I get a call. Well, you know, you shouldn't have said ain't, and you really, you really was a little Love bit it. too selfish on that call right there, and things like that. So, is she? Am I seeing a life producer, a radio producer, a podcast producer? My wife and I are kindred spirits. He gets off of the Breakfast Club every day. And he calls me say to the Breakfast Club. He calls when he's home from the Breakfast Club or wherever he's going next. And I critique. And he's been on Breakfast Club is what, 10 years? 12 years. 12 years. I love it. Every day we have a conversation about the way that he handled different things or the way that he phrase different things or his take on different things. So I'm always critiquing him and it's because I'm in his corner and it's because I want the best for him. Mm -hmm. And I know his potential and I want him to be the very best at reaching it. So I do everything that I possibly can to try to support him and hold him up. Let me ask you this because see, I couldn't deal with criticism, DJ. And, um, you know, yes, I'm like, "Hmm, this is interesting. You know, I I, I really couldn't. That's what I'm telling you some, Twice. I've read it twice. Okay. And, uh, because, you know, you go through and you go 33 years of marriage, you go, okay. And and so, because in my own way, because when you talk about being having a controlling personality, in your book, you, several chapters you talk about that. I love the one where you put over your shoulder and, 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 and walked her out of the party. I went, okay, he really crazy. He, he really crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's not PC, but I got to say he crazy right now. Okay. He going to Tarzan her right out of the damn party. Like, like, like she going to go, okay, I'm cool with that. Okay, honey. I'm looking at who I'm, who I'm looking at right now. No, that wouldn't happen, bro. No, she got a reputation to deal with and you ain't going to ruin it here. Okay. I love you, but not that much. Okay. Cross the line, Captain Stupid. Okay. And so, and so, so the reason I asked that is that it took me a minute to admit that I needed her to be critical of me. And I wouldn't say the word critical, but I would say that um, I needed somebody to check me. Mm. You know, and because when you get successful, as you know, very few people start checking you because some of them have, they they ain't going to check you because they don't want to lose their check. Or you become so influential that you can persuade them out of their point of view. Right. So once or I realized, yes huh? Or they're just yes people. Yeah, but you, but still, he's gifted though. He's gifted, <laughs> and so he's a gifted communicator. And so if you're a gifted communicator, because I know I am, and somebody can come to me with the best debate in the world, I go, okay, whatever, or I'll whatever them away, and they just shut down. They go, okay, he just said whatever. How do I get out of this? So when I when I, I only say that, they say is that I found the book very relatable for me. 
and very comforting for me because of the fact that, and I, and I come back to you when I, when I see the word control and it feels like a giant C in the book. And to me, it was just an admission as I had to admit that we all have to respect information and receive information. And I think that once you accepted receiving information, that's where the true trust came into relationship. That's where it came into the mind. Is is I'm hitting any areas that made sense to you, DJ Envy? Oh, absolutely. You know, one thing about, I would say about my wife, and sometimes, I don't know if you're a Virgo, brother, but like sometimes I just don't like to to hear it. And I had to get to a point where I'm like, she's criticizing me and she's being critical because she wants to help me. She wants to make me better. Right. She sees things that can make me better. She's looking from the outside. And sometimes I wasn't uh, accepting of that information. But now I'm at a point where I realize, no, if she's telling me something, she's trying to make sure I'm better, that I don't do it again, that I don't mess up, that I'm, I'm being the best Rashawn or being the best DJ Envy that I can be. Right. And that's really important. So so when you was pushing back on the, you know, the advice, let's use the word advice, not criticism, not critique. When he was pushing back on advice, how did that make you feel, Gia? Did you did you feel at one point I just throw your hands up and go, he's not going to get it? Or how did that? Because this is all part of the relationship that people need to hear about. When they hit these walls in a relationship, you don't stop when you have somebody that, that you love. Sometimes you have to walk through the rocky points in order to extend the, the quality of the relationship. Right. Um, now, this was a perpetual thing, if right. I'm being honest. Absolutely. Uh, Mine wasn't was, overnight now. Mine wasn't overnight. <laughs> I'm a self-admitted, um, somewhat perfectionist. I like to do things to the very best of my potential. Yes. My father used to say to me, if you're going to put your name on something, make sure that it's the very damn best that you're able to produce. Um, so I look at him that way because I respect him so much. And mm-hmm. I think that he is phenomenal at what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he would deflect my advice, as, as we agreed to put it, um, no, I never said to myself, well, I'm just going to throw my hands up because he's not being receptive, because that would mean that I would be giving up on him. And I knew that if I kept knocking, if I kept knocking and kept knocking, eventually that that wall would come down. Right. And did. I was right. Um, I just had to learn how to be delicate about the things that I said and um, to approach him with kid gloves to make sure that I recognized all of the positive as well as whatever I perceived as things that could be done better. Because, you know, you can't just communicate with someone in that way, because if not, if you do, they feel as though they're being attacked. So I had to make sure that my intention was very clear to him and that it wasn't an attack. It was really because I believed him to be so much better than what he may have done that day. Right. I'm talking to Rashawn Casey and uh, otherwise known as DJ Envy and Gia Casey. Their book, a very, very Great read, uh, amazing uh, family photos in the end. Uh, he said he was a five foot uh, shorty with uh, glasses, but he's a real handsome guy back then too. Real life, real love, life lessons on joy, pain, and the magic that holds us together. In the twenty five questions that ask yourself before you ask yourself before we get married, this is the one question that really uh, st- stuck with me: Will I want it for a lifetime? Yes. Mm-hmm. And you know when I when I look at my life, you know, I had I had success, a lot of success early in life. And I always tell people when you have a career, you know, you never think about 
40, 50, 60. And that's what a career is. Like you said, you've been doing the Breakfast Club 12 years. You know, is it eight more years? Is it 20 more years? Because that's what a career is. And so when you look at a relationship, we don't kind of see that either. We just say we're married and we don't start projecting 10, 15, 20 years. So when you say what I wanted for a lifetime, I would say I'm married because I wanted AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When your child fights sleep, it can feel like a battle you'll never win. Imagine a bedtime routine you all look forward to, where you cuddle in and let the stress of the day melt away. Welcome to Sleep Tight Stories, a calming weekly podcast that brings bedtime stories, cuddles, and comfort to families worldwide. The stories are quirky, relatable, and spark wonder without overstimulation, so listeners can fall asleep and stay asleep. Each episode is narrated by me, Cheryl McLeod, a second grade teacher, and written by my husband, Clark, an eternal second grader at heart. Tune in tonight and bond over a story before drifting off to sleep. Make bedtime the sweetest part of your day. Sleep Tight Stories. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That was the person I loved, and I said I wanted to be with that person forever, but I never put the word lifetime on it. Can you can you help me with that with that statement that you mean when you say lifetime? Um, I'll be honest with you. I don't see anybody else in my life besides Gear as far as lifetime. I, I see us getting old together, uh, wiping each other's butts together, 
you know, if, if we all have to sip, sip, you know, through a straw because we have no teeth, I see us doing that together. I'm still when she when she walks by me, I'm still gonna slap her on a bookie, and I'm sure she's still gonna slap me <laughs> on my bookie. We still gonna hold hands and walk down the beach together. Like this is my soulmate. Like I don't see my life without anybody but her. And I look forward to those moments. I look forward to those times. I look forward to, you know, being 70 years old and, and the convertible still come back and we still riding around like we're 19 years old. I still look forward to those moments and I don't see my life without anybody besides her. See, the word lifetime, it seems like such a simple question, right? Yes. Do you want for a lifetime? Yes. Well, I'm marrying him. Of course I want it for a lifetime. But how many people stop and actually think about that word Mm -hmm. lifetime and what it actually means the same way like they take for granted the word love and the meaning of love lifetime means now later forever through all the stages through all the ups and downs through all of the changes to be there and to commit to it forever. Mm-hmm. People don't really sit back and think about it critically. They're so worried thinking about the wedding, mm-hmm. the spectacle of right. it, and the rapture of emotion that they're feeling at that present time. And they don't think about years from now and people gain weight, mm-hmm. people's looks change, people's personalities mm-hmm. change, mm-hmm. life and experiences change people. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be with that person committed, loyal, and everything else that comes along with marriage through all of those trials. Are you prepared for it? Are you willing to be there for a lifetime? People don't typically think about that. We'll be right back with more Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. Now let's return to Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. Oh, you good. You good, Jim. You really good. <laughs> you really, really good. I, I, I'm enjoying this. I, 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 I'll send you my check, you know. <laughs> because I, 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 you know, because I, I felt in doing this interview, I had to be honest with you guys. I couldn't sit myself on a pedestal and not say that for 33 years, I had a perfect, I've had a perfect relationship. She is the person I'm going to die with. But I knew it was a point in my life that, you know, I got crazy. You know, success makes you crazy, makes you stupid, makes you disrespectful, uh, makes you forget how you got there. Yes. Now, let me repeat that. Forget how you got there. Because Correct. you know, and and the line that really stood out for me in this book and we that really came into play with you is my wife didn't want to be my wife anymore. Mm-hmm. I've had that moment, my brother. But I thought I was making that decision. Mm-hmm. When you realized you weren't making that decision, tell us how it impacted you. That's a good question. Um, you know, this was a, 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 a crazy one because, you know, when I looked and it was my stupidity. But when I looked at people and I would read stories of me growing up and I hear somebody committed suicide or somebody trying to commit suicide, I always thought they were soft, right? I always thought they were a sucker. And why would you want to do that until I got to the lowest ever? And when my wife said she didn't want to be my wife anymore, my life, I thought was over. I thought I couldn't be a good man. I couldn't be a good father. I couldn't be a good husband. I couldn't be a good lover. And it got to the point where I was so low. I really felt like me not being in this world will be better for her. Mm-hmm. and better for my kids. Mm-hmm. And I was there. Like, mm-hmm. I was there. It was no longer, I thought that was soft. That's how I felt. I felt like me not being here 
would be better off for everybody else. And when my wife said she didn't want to be my wife anymore, I felt like life was gone. I felt right. like there was no there was no reason to live. Right. You know, here, here I am, uh, uh, a, a young fella at the time. I had a, a lot of money. We mm-hmm. had everything that we, we mm-hmm. thought we needed. Right. We had cars and homes and ill vacations and jewelry and shoes and bags and sneakers. And all of that meant nothing. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I wanted and the only thing that meant the most to me didn't want to be with me anymore. And at that moment right there, I didn't want to be anymore. And that's how I felt. Wow. And uh, you want to say something, Gia? No, I'll let you. I'll let you. Continue. Okay, cool. You know, because see, it, it comes into play. Was I have one child, and because mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to keep y'all long, because I, I could be talking to y'all forever here. Because I enjoy the book, and I enjoy talking to you guys. You know, you know, my one child. My wife said she didn't want to have because I, I was never home. I always tell people, you know, I did stand up comic. I left stand up comedy in '88 and went to New York and lived in New York for two years and lived in L.A. for 15 years. I think that the first part of our lives. I may have been, we may have been married like 12 years. We may have been together like three years in the same place. And so, but, and I have a little tape of my daughter. Well, I kind of like to raise my daughter on the phone. And I have this, when she she called, leave a message. I love you, daddy. Bye, daddy. And I gave it to her on her 21st birthday and just surprised her. And And it says that your children are always watching, listening, and learning. That's the line from your book. Yeah. And and I want to turn to you, Gio, on this because I think that we forget that. We forget that just because we can be in another room talking, they don't see the body, they don't understand our body language. Just because we can raise our voice here, they don't hear that. In this book about relationship, can you play and let our listeners see and hear the importance of recognizing your children are always learning, they're always watching, and they're always listening? Yes. We are our children's first and most significant teachers. People think that when you have good children, they're just inherently that way, as though they just became good by happenstance or in the same respect, bad, as some parents like to describe their kids, which I don't agree with, but we'll let that go, by happenstance. Mm -hmm. Um, When you have good children, it is because... They were raised by parents or grandparents or whomever who was deliberate and very intentional about their upbringing, about the lessons that they were taught. That is vital. We don't just teach by sitting down and explaining things to our children. We teach by action. We teach simply by living. And children are always watching. Right. Even when they're not watching intentionally, they're always watching. Mm-hmm. They're learning. We lead by example and they use our lives and how we deal with people, how we deal with situations as their first line mm-hmm. of reference points. Mm-hmm. So whenever I'm around my children, I make sure that I'm on my best behavior because we try to find things intentionally and unintentionally to teach our children. For instance, Rashawn leads a very stressful life. He has, I don't know, six, seven different businesses. And that that requires a lot of time. It requires a lot of work, a lot of energy. Um, He's expended mentally all the time. His eyes are often low and he tries his very best to not bring that into the house. Like he takes those shoes off at the door. Right. Sometimes it doesn't always work. And those shoes come inside the house with him. 
And sometimes I bear the brunt of it. Sometimes the kids bear the brunt of it. And with those same kid gloves that we talked about earlier, I might sit him down and say, you know what? When Logan asked you about whatever it was, um, you could have handled him a little bit differently. Um, I think that he probably walked away thinking that you didn't care, that you were yesing him, that you weren't really paying attention. So you might want to go and have a conversation with him. And Rashawn will perk up and say, okay, is that, is that really what you took away? Absolutely. That's what I took away. And he'll walk down the hall and go to Logan's room, knock on the door, sit down and apologize and say, you know what? I'm, I've been overworked this week and I didn't really have that much patience. I wasn't really there when you were talking to me. I am sorry. And let's have that conversation again. Let's, let's redo it. And my son not only gets to have his father present in those moments, but he's able to learn that apologizing isn't soft. Apologizing doesn't make you less of a man. A real man can admit when he's wrong. A real man can unveil his flaws and take accountability for it. We're teaching accountability, not just by the words, but by the actual actions. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, that's what his book is about, accountability. And and I, I love the fact that there's a great close. I we, we this I can't end the interview better than what you just said because you you scream out the word communicate me communicate communicate, but also should be screamed out accountability accountability accountability, and also yeah. should be screamed out if you're going to bring children into this world accountability accountability as well as communicate communicate share responsibility. This book yeah. is a beautiful book. I want to thank you for allowing me to read it. I want to thank you for allowing me to share my life into your book because you poured into me words that I was able to pour back in conversation. A brilliant thank piece so of work. Thank you and uh, God bless y'all. Okay. This thank is you so much. So thank much. You. Appreciate appreciate much. I just want to say coming from you, that means the world to us. Now this is, you know, I, I you know, I, I am who I am and, um, and people tell me I'm a straight shooter and uh, I don't, I don't have time to tell people a lie. But when I read the truth and, I, and I'm able to share it like this, and I've never, my wife hit this interview, she'll tell you, he's never talked like this on the radio to nobody. Wow. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. We are so Because she's just like you. Like, in, you know, he said, you know, in the book, it said you didn't do social media at one point. That's like her. You can't find a picture of her nowhere. Okay. And so, but well, I'm going to do my best and do what I do here. But thank you for the time. Again, you guys are fantastic. Thank you for coming on Money Making Conversation Masterclass. Wonderful. Thanks for having us. Bye bye, y'all. Stay safe. Bye-bye. If you want to hear or see this interview on Money Making Conversation, please go to moneymakingconversation.com.